0: Better Call Saul, season one, episode five is over, but we're just getting started here on Better Call Saul, the post-show recap, and now here are the two guys who are hailing from the Vatican City of the United States of America. I'm Rob Sestini, here's Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, how are you?
1: Rob, I'm great. This is weird. I'm seeing myself over your shoulder here live on YouTube. I'm uh, looking into my own eyes. I feel, uh, feel very entranced.
0: Yes. All right. Don't get distracted, Antonio. I I can't help it. I'm like Narcissus. (laughs) Well, I can't blame you. Uh, And so we've got a lot to talk about here tonight after a night when we saw Jimmy take a turn for elder care.
1: Yeah. And Matlock. We had Jimmy. I don't know. Matlock McGill or Jimmy McLock. I don't know what we want to call him. But yeah, he popped up here dancing around the old folks home.
0: Yeah. We had Tony the Toilet Tiger. Uh, he's in to the toilet oh my gosh yes uh and it was a night where i felt like uh you know it wasn't really an action-packed episode but it was one that sort of probably the best points uh or the most exciting moments probably came at the end of the episode and i feel like we're set up well for episode six at better call saul but here tonight we're gonna talk about better call saul episode number five uh and very excited to be back here with you antonio
1: I'm excited to be back, too. And I, we're about this is the halfway point of season one of Better Call Saul. So I'd like to take stock at some point during this podcast and see where we're at halfway through what we think and what we expect for the rest of the season.
0: All right. Stock will be taken here in Better Call Saul Live. And of course, uh, we want to hear from you guys here on Post Show Recaps, of course, in the chat room and via Twitter, hashtag PSRecaps or on our YouTube channel at PostShowRecaps.com slash YouTube uh Alpine Shepherd Boy the name of tonight's episode.
1: Yeah, did you catch the Alpine Shepherd Boy in the <laughs> How episode? How could you tonight?
0: not? How could you not?
1: I found the Alpine Shepherd Boy. Yeah. It was like a game of reverse like the the uh the old Price is Right game, you know, where the hikers going up the mountain. <laughs> Yo,
0: what are <laughs> Yes.
1: That's <laughs> Alpine Shepherd Boy, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she's going down though. So, I don't know, maybe somebody offered her a lower
0: price. Yeah, 150 when he went off the cliff. Anyway, so, uh, Antonio, what were your, uh, big picture thoughts on the episode tonight?
1: Well, honestly of the five, I think it was probably the weakest outing, but it was also, I think maybe the funniest I, the, the Tony, the toilet stuff was, was really a true riot and the stuff with, i I liked the, the kind of crackpot client montage where we, we saw him kind of going to the separatist guy and we saw the toilet guy. And I also really liked him kind of lilting around the old folks home, just kind of, Oh, hello, everybody. Eat your Jello. Don't cheat. I, I mean, I really like the various shades and identities of Jimmy McGill. So I laughed a lot at this episode, and I'm very intrigued by the last couple of minutes of the episode. But the rest of it was a whole lot of Chuck. And uh, we talked last week, you know, does a show of a Chuck problem I think was one of the questions that was asked. And I don't know that it has a problem, but it occupied a whole lot of time in this episode. And I'm not sure exactly where that storyline is going. So it's hard to say in the moment, that it's a waste of time, but it feels like we, we'd rather be spending time doing other things.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's not so much a Chuck problem as it is uh, also a tone problem. Like, I feel like I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around what this show is. Now, it's clearly not Breaking Bad, but we have seen moments where there's been tension like Breaking Bad. But I feel like we've had like extended moments of lightness in this show that we would never see on Breaking Bad.
1: Yeah, there there are definitely. I mean, not that Breaking Bad isn't without humor, because oh my God, there's some just hilarious all time funny moments in Breaking Bad. But it tends with, to be
0: dark humor. Whereas I felt like a lot of the stuff, especially tonight, was like you know not like what you would call dark humor at all.
1: No, I mean this is just straight straight funny. I mean, sex jokes and toilets and separatists and currency and all sorts <laughs> of old lady things going on, and Jimmy having to dance around and his face on a Jello. Uh, container all of that's really really not dark at all that's really really funny for sure
0: yeah and so i i'm interested to see where this is going to go because ultimately we saw at the end of the episode it looks like we are going to be going to a more dramatic place uh with this stuff uh coming up with mike and so is better call Saul in your mind is it too schizophrenic for you antonio
1: it's not too schizophrenic for me but i mean we have to keep in mind this is a show in its first 5 episodes so I do think it's going to take a little while for the show to decide what it ultimately wants to be. And I think a large part of that dancing around is Jimmy McGill is not, is not Saul Goodman yet. So there's a lot of, well, will he or won't he? And we know he will, we know he's going to break bad. We know he's going to get into the Saul Goodman mode. So a lot of this teasing around, will he or won't he? Is he ultimately going to be a bad guy? I just feels like wasted breath. Like it's, it's not foreplay at all because we know, we know where it's going and, it's not something where the anticipation is building in any respect. So I think that's difficult. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's too schizophrenic, though. I mean, I, I'm I'm liking the different flavors that are happening here. But I think ultimately we know where he's going. So the drama of Willie or Walt, he's not really leading to much.
0: Yeah, and I think I feel like we know where the show is going also with this uh, storyline coming up with Mike. And I felt like the last five minutes or so was probably the most interesting of the entire episode. So I don't have too many doubts as to the direction of the show but i wonder if maybe tonight's episode was sort of like they basically you know took the show as far as it can go without really getting into this mike storyline
1: yeah maybe i mean i was chuck is still going to play a part i would imagine in jimmy's life and we're still going to get all of that but yeah i and i'm not sure we're done with the kettlemans yet we may be but i would be surprised if we've seen the last of the kettlemans as well but Overall, I think that's a pretty good observation, Rob. I'm inclined to agree that it's sort of like we've kicked the tires in a lot of this. Now we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes here. And as we kind of drive forward these last five episodes, we're really going to get to some uh, some hot moments. So I hope, that's, I hope that's the case, and I hope that's where we're headed. Not that I've not enjoyed anything that we've experienced so far. And like I said, I really laughed more tonight than at any episode. But I think we're about to get into the meat of this sandwich for sure.
0: Whoa like yeah. that meat of the sandwich that, up, Chandler. That, yeah that was something that uh tony the toilet said i forget to the meat of the sandwich you're a big boy <laughs> wow um <laughs> let's just uh talk through the chuck stuff and so uh from the uh chuck uh storyline do we have definitive evidence yet at this point that chuck has a mental illness
1: yeah, I think this is a this is a pretty good question. I think that we we've kind of teased around this through the first four episodes. And I'm not sure that the doctor's, you know, turning the the bed on proves anything beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, there are different legal standards, so I'm not sure which one Chuck would tell us we needed to use, reasonable doubt or uh or preponderance of the evidence or what. But I don't think it proves anything, but I feel like it's pretty clear that the condition is largely mental. That doesn't mean it doesn't manifest physically, but I feel like it's coming from a mental place.
0: Yeah. Do you think that Saul ultimately will decide to have Chuck committed? Well,
1: that's an interesting question because we saw in this episode with the stuff that's going on with Hamlin that Saul has actually, or Jimmy actually has good reason to do that because doing that would probably make him uh, Chuck's custodian. And that would give him some sort of, ability to control his decisions uh, and then he could really stick it to hamlin and so there's a lot of incentive for for jimmy to do that because he could really get one over on hamlin that way but chuck clearly doesn't want it and i think that more than anything that's a good reason for jimmy not to if i had to say would he or wouldn't he i'd I'd say that that he wouldn't but i think the incentive is strongly there for him to. i don't know do you think he will
0: boy i mean you would think that he probably did not because I can't imagine that he had all of Chuck's money. If that was the case, is that, is that fair to say? I mean, like you would think that Saul would be sitting on millions of dollars by the time we get to the breaking bad era.
1: Yeah. It's a good question. If he's able to get anything out of that, then, then maybe he would ultimately that would show up later. On the other hand, somebody buys uh, all those TV commercials. Somebody buys him all those orange shirts and, uh, somebody buys that Cadillac for him, uh, and maybe it's his own success. Maybe it's his own kind of. Uh, maybe he has one big client or one big case. But on the other hand, the Saul Goodman that we know is not is not the similar to the Jimmy McGill that we that we're learning about now. So there's a lot of money somewhere between there uh, those two things. So it's possible that uh, some of that money came from from putting Chuck in a bad spot. I don't know. I just think that that maybe that'll come to bear. That that's a big struggle for Jimmy. That that's some internal struggle that he has to deal with. And we're going to see that play out. But, uh, but ultimately I just don't, I don't see him doing it. I mean, I don't see it happening.
0: So where do you think that the Chuck story goes from here? Antonio? That's a very good question, Rob. I, we had
1: Johnny DeSilvera, uh you know, one of the, the great supporters of this show and all of our other shows here at post-show recaps. Yes. His prediction is uh, Chuck doesn't survive this season and i think that we we've been kind of i think i've heard you I'm say okay that as that. well i think are, are you are you thinking that's the case that chuck won't survive this season
0: i, I feel like if you can just institutionalize him like let, what if we just send him away and then we can like bring him back at some point you know he's a tie back to you know the original jimmy mcgill timeline and and his roots and i felt like it would be good to you know oh there's something wrong with chuck let me go back there and go see what's going on with him I don't think you need to, to kill him. I'll let him yeah. live. I'm, I'm yeah. in a generous mood tonight, Antonio.
1: You're going to let him live? He He's can live. Thumbs up? Not even halfway, going thumbs up. Let All him right. live, but let live, live
0: somewhere else. Sestranino the Merciful. Yes, I got it. I'm feeling I got good it. tonight, Antonio.
1: Well, I'll say that the one good thing about Chuck, and we've kind of talked about this, is on a show where you know which characters do survive, uh, Chuck is one that, that is expendable. So whether you want to be merciful and put him in the, in the booby hatch or whatever you want to call it, uh, or if you want to, uh, or if you want to kill him, if you're, if you're somebody like a criminal element who wants to put pressure on Jimmy, uh, Chuck is a very good target for you. So he's one of those guys. that's always going to be right in the middle of is he, or isn't he going to live because he, he's not showing up in the breaking bad timeline. That doesn't mean he's not around. Doesn't mean he's not in the same house that he's in now in the breaking bad timeline because he never showed up on the show, there's a very good possibility that a lot of pressure is going to be put on him. Plus you have the added element of Michael McKean kind of being a, a bigger name, not necessarily the kind of guy you expect to stay around multiple seasons. So I feel like that's in play as well.
0: Wait, does Michael McKean have a lot of other things going on? Antonio? Uh, you have no idea. Rob. <laughs> Are <laughs> you his his manager?
1: No, no, Mr. Manager. No, I'd take that job though. If it was offered to me, I'm I'm in the market. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in the market for being Michael McKean's manager. I should say, <laughs> I'm not going to represent just anybody.
0: But, just anybody. Uh,
1: no, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if, if he's the kind of guy that, uh, can get other work or not, but you see this a lot on these shows, they get a kind of a bigger name at the beginning. And then they let the actors like the, the one, the actress that's playing Kim, for example, they let those, those actors and actresses kind of blossom into main characters on the show. And they're able to take the people who are making a higher rate out of the mix. So it's uh, John Goodman, uh, He's done that on other shows, and uh, I don't want to name too many names, but uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Wouldn't surprise me is all I'm saying.
0: Okay. Um, Michael McKeon doesn't have anything better going on right now than Better Call Saul. Like He's, he's getting the script each week, and like, oh, man, I hope I survive. I hope I survive.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably true. Christopher Guest maybe has a movie coming out. I don't know. Maybe Michael McKeon's going to get
0: the call Shoot for the that. Sure in the offseason. That's fine.
1: He can always tour in Spinal Tap. I think there's always room for that, but uh, you're probably right.
0: Okay, let's talk, with all due respect to your client, uh, potential client, yeah, uh, Michael client, that's, that's yes. right, that's right. Um, let's talk about through, through the Mike stuff a little bit. Um, we saw, we went and followed Mike uh, from the toll booth. I liked when uh, Jimmy called him John Wilkes Booth.
1: Yeah, that was funny. Jimmy just, Jimmy is continuing to give Mike a hard time. I, I have no idea why Mike's going to want to spend any time with this guy, because Jimmy's just riding him.
0: Yeah. And then we followed uh, Mike to a diner, uh, continuing in the uh, great Breaking Bad traditions of both breakfast and diners. And, that's, uh,
1: the same, that's the same diner uh, that, that Mike and Lydia used to meet at. That, uh, that's definitely the same diner for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, did you think Lydia was going to pop in?
1: Get some Stevia maybe?
0: <laughs> just kind of show up and uh, get some sweetener for her
1: drink and uh, just kind of hang out? I. The thing is, I thought anybody could pop in. I was kind of on the edge of my
0: seat a little bit there. I don't know about you. Yeah.
1: No, but nobody did. No, no, nobody
0: popped. No one. It was sort of an odd scene where really no no words were said, no dialogue. Uh, We just sort of watched uh, Mike eat breakfast there.
1: Yeah, Uh, and it was a nice, you know, nice little memory of that diner. But. He clearly is living some kind of solitary weird existence and yet he definitely has some other things in the mix as we as we then see in the next scene
0: okay so then we see him in the car right and then we see we see him watching a woman and the woman obviously recognizes him there's uh they exchange glances she drives off disgusted who is this woman
1: that's a very good question. I think I recognize the actress. I think that I've seen her on HBO's Rome and uh, the short-lived series of Luck. I think that was that actress. I don't know her name. But uh, as to who she is in the Mike Ehrmantraut story, it's hard to say. You'll remember from Breaking Bad, or if you never watch Breaking Bad, Mike has a granddaughter named Kaylee that he cares very much for. And a lot of the reasons that he does the things he does in Breaking Bad are to take care of his granddaughter Kaylee. And it's not exactly clear. I don't think uh, what specifically happened with Kaylee's parents, if they're still around, uh, to the extent that Mike feels the need to support them exactly, or to support Kaylee exactly. Why? Um, I think that the I think the indication is that she's definitely though his granddaughter, one the the, the child of if he has multiple children, one of his children. Not really clear if it's his son or daughter. So this could be his daughter or this could be his daughter-in-law. I don't think that that's, that's totally clear.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Do you think that this woman, assuming it is his daughter, the mother of Kaylee, uh, do you think that she is alive in the Breaking Bad timeline?
1: I don't think so. But I mean,
0: Kaylee doesn't live with Mike. And who's watching her then?
1: So who's watching her? So maybe she is alive in the Breaking Bad timeline.
0: Hmm. But maybe she just doesn't want anything to do with Mike. Maybe, right. Continue to not want anything to do with Mike. All right. And then we go back and see Mike at his house. And he's first of all, he's watching a TV with uh, rabbit ears. Yeah, that's uh, not
1: exactly grim. great. Yeah, not exactly. Not exactly great for him.
0: Yes. And here come the police who come and knock at the door. And so we know that Mike has a history of being a member of uh, the police department are are these people, uh, Did they used to work with Mike or are they investigating Mike uh, about something?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I think that they're, they're clearly investigating something. They know who Mike is. Mike knows who they are. So that's, they're, they're not, this is not something new for Mike. This is not a surprise per se that they're there. That said, this is sort of a cavalry of police here. There's four or five cops out there, right? So I don't exactly know, but one of them said they're a, you're a long way from home. I don't think he's necessarily there to get Mike, um, but, uh, but I guess I guess we'll find out. I, if I had to guess, I'd say Mike maybe is involved in something and has tried to run from it. Uh, maybe not. He wasn't necessarily involved in the crime. Maybe it's an old case of his or it's mm-hmm. a case somehow related to him that he doesn't want, to pr- anyone, any, want any part of uh, that he's tried to hide from. And they're there really kind of banging on his door. I mean they weren't waiting for him when he got home. They kinda of there and they knocked, you know what I mean? And you see early in the episode what the police do. Uh if they don't want you to if they if you don't open the door, they kinda of burst in. So I don't know, I feel like this guy one of the guys had like a like a suit coat on. He was looking more like a homicide detective. Uh so I feel like maybe he's a detective of some sort. And I don't know what he would be investigating Mike for, but my guess is this is somehow related to something Mike either worked on or knows about.
0: Yeah. What I want to investigate about Mike, what shift does he work in the toll booth?
1: I wonder the same thing. He seems to be there all the time. I thought maybe the, the sun was going to change. And what we were going to see in that scene is he lives in that toll booth like <laughs> Jimmy lives in his office.
0: Yeah. I mean, it seemed like he worked a shift where he was started in, I guess, the nighttime and worked overnight into the daytime. Yet every other time we see him, he works in the daytime at the toll booth.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to begrudge uh, those who made the show here because that was a gorgeous. Kind of sequences of shots or sequence of shots where we saw a change from the late afternoon, early evening, overnight till the morning, and somebody kind of switch out the shift with the toll booth kind of sitting there. That was that was really pretty stuff that you know these people are known for. But it doesn't make a ton of sense. Maybe he was
0: covering for somebody. Maybe he or switched maybe shifts maybe, with somebody.
1: Maybe we often see him uh, telling telling Saul or Jimmy. You know, you don't have your stamps because Jimmy's leaving near the end of the day. So maybe he's always working at the end of the day. And the times where we've seen Jimmy kind of pulling up, it hasn't been kind of early, early morning. So but still, that's a really long shift. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine why he needs to be there all night long. I guess uh, maybe there's all night long court there in Albuquerque.
0: Yeah, no, I think it does make it a lot of sense because I feel like he wouldn't be able to get validated late at night. I feel like the people that work in the court are going to go home at a certain time.
1: Yeah, hard to get those stickers. Hard yeah. to get
0: those stickers. I don't know. We're gonna we'll we'll call out. Better call Saul on that one. Um, let's talk about the montage that we talked a little bit about earlier in the show, uh, and start off at Ricky Sypes house and <laughs> the million dollars. I mean, where did you think that was going? Because uh, it seems like everything is going great. He's loving Saul. Saul is excited. He wants to give him a million dollars five hundred up front, five hundred later, and until the point when we see you know his face on the money, we obviously uh, know what's up. But did you feel like things were going to be starting to go really much better for Saul?
1: I mean, I didn't think he was getting five hundred k. Even when he said it, I didn't think that was happening. But uh, but I did think that that was funny. that uh, that saw Jimmy was right there with him. Jimmy's like, absolutely. You know, I, I I refuse to be a victim. And it's like he right away tapped into his kind of language. I love that moment where he had that whole lie built up about, well, it's my assistant's car. Mine's in the shop. And the guy starts talking about his car. And Jimmy wants to say like, hey, you know, like that's not my car. My car's in the shop. But as soon as the guy wants to use the car as something that would help Jimmy, Jimmy's all about it. I love this Jimmy McGill. He's just so slippery.
0: Yes. He's very slippery, and then at the point where uh, you know he sees that the money's not real, he's just out of there. You just cut to the <laughs> yeah. car just peeling out.
1: Yeah, and that, and I mean that's really funny. This this guy he was the guy was complaining uh, about illegals, but then he was also saying something about uh, he wants to hire illegals. He was saying he doesn't want people cracking down on his business and investigating every background, but he was also complaining about how hard it was for the little guy to get ahead. So this guy was a walking contradiction in I, I, was ashamed. I was sad that uh, Brad Calhoun Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights didn't play this role. It would have been perfect for
0: It <laughs> would have been good. Uh, yeah. And that was very fun. Uh, and then we went next to uh, go see uh, Tony the Toilet Buddy.
1: Yeah. To- uh, and uh, by the way, I mean, if everything that happened in the previous episode with the billboard and everything that happened in this episode, I, it's all worth it for Tony the Toilet Buddy.
0: Yes. And if so, Fisher
1: Price or Play School got a hold of this, Rob, can you only imagine? <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, w- did you feel like was uh, Chandler's dad? Uh, was he just a w- was he a, a big perv, or was he just totally oblivious to what he had created?
1: I, I think the latter. I think that uh, that old daddy Bing was just kind of out of it, and I don't think that he really considered. I mean, it took it took Jimmy McGill walking in, calling it a sex toilet. Uh, for I think for this guy to really really understand what he was dealing with, I don't know though. I I, I laughed a lot at this. I laughed when Jimmy said this would be really big in, in some of the wealthier parts of the Pacific Rim nations. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a that's a hilarious dig on what I think uh, perceived fetish is uh, in certain cultures. I don't know. I is this where does this rank for you, Rob? On uh, on toilet add ons. I, mean, I think you saw the Kickstarter about the urinal. I think we were. I think no, were I kind of like that. I thought
0: that was. I was surprised that didn't do better. Um, I would say this would probably be pretty low on the, on the list. Um, you don't need
1: the positive reinforcement that comes with this?
0: I mean, it would be, it'd be nice to have. I'm not I guess, sure. I'm not sure it would be nice. Maybe if there was like a volume control on, I feel like uh, I don't need everybody to know what's going on in there.
1: I would like to have this at my house and I would like to be able to shut it on and off. And then I'd like to invite coworkers, people that have never been over to my house. And when they used the bathroom, I would turn it on with my remote control. And then they would do what they needed to do. And just the screams of terror that would erupt from that bathroom would make it all worth it. I would pay for it. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a prankster, though. I'm yes. an original prankster.
0: Well, if you're going to uh, be scared in that manner, you're really in the right place. Uh, a, la, a la Hank on uh, Breaking Bad.
1: You make a good point.
0: Uh, <laughs> you make a good point. Right. This That's uh, exactly where you want to be.
1: Yeah, and uh, maybe you can get a squatty potty in there. I don't know.
0: Oh yeah, Oh now you're living. Right?
1: <laughs> you're, yeah, now you just get get an iPad. You could just set up shop in there, man.
0: Yeah, maybe could we get the talking squatty potty? Oh, what would that put your feet on me, Chandler? You big boy?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is just like the this is how nature intended.
0: Yeah. Um. Is there anything more 2002 than a person having a young child named Chandler?
1: No, that's a good that's a good call uh, I had not thought about that. Is this other kid named Ross maybe
0: maybe uh, have J-L-E. you watched the odd couple at all Antonio I have not seen the
1: new odd couple is it supposed to be good eh, I don't know i I had heard that uh, that uh, Yvette Nicole Brown from community left uh, community for this odd couple show so maybe it's got some uh, maybe it's got some swing to it I haven't actually seen any of the early returns I don't know is this something that you'll tune into Rob?
0: I don't know. I think that the one thing that attracted me to it was that I think that, um, that Matthew Perry on that episode, I I believe he's, his occupation is supposed to be a podcaster.
1: Oh, I hadn't heard that, that that's what he, his no collar job is, is he's a podcaster. (laughs) I'm
0: in, I'm in. Okay. So, uh, then the third place that Saul ends up landing, which is ultimately the most successful of these three in this montage is at the elderly woman's house. Uh, the woman who has the Alpine shepherd boy, um, and he really does have a rapport with the uh, older citizens of New Mexico.
1: Yeah, he's got a soft touch. He doesn't exactly come off as totally trustworthy, but he is a nice guy and he listens. So that'll, that'll get you somewhere with those, uh, those senior citizens of New Mexico, I guess. And yeah, he, uh, any, listen, anybody who's got seven crisp $20 bills for him because she hasn't sent out seven birthday cards this week uh, is, is probably a good client.
0: Yeah, I I wonder what it is about Saul that the older folks seem to really like him. Is it just because he seems like, you know, he's in a suit and he's like, uh, like he just like uh, gives them sort of like the Eddie Haskell type, you know, uh, kisses, uh, sucks kneecaps uh, to them. And they just really like that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that that's uh, that's the big that's the big hook that or maybe they appreciate his uh, his wig.
0: (laughs) They like that.
1: They like that uh, the Bob Odenkirk hair. They like that he's tr- trying to be of an indiscriminate age and maybe try to appear younger. Maybe that comes off pretty well. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, later in the episode, after we come out the other side of the Chuck stuff, we see Jimmy is studying Matlock. Um, did you like seeing that? Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking it's it's there's a you know pantheon of great TV lawyers. You've got what you've got, Matlock. I really am partial to Alan Shore and Denny Crane from Boston Legal. Got the whole crew from Ali McBeal. You've got, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton, but of course Saul Goodman is on that that pantheon. He's on that Mount Rushmore or or approaching it of TV lawyers. So to to have him kind of watching Matlock was really funny to me because it's sort of like, well, of course if you're if you're Jimmy McGill, you're kind of patterning you're, you're patterning yourself off of Matlock a little bit. Who wouldn't like Matlock is is the king. And by the end of his episode, by the end of the episode, he's always getting his clients out and he's getting somebody else to confess and. He's so good at this. And of course, I I really like the kind of interesting little connection there.
0: Should we be taking a look at this sort of thematically of the idea of Jimmy McGill as the chameleon? I mean, already in five episodes of this show, we've seen Jimmy change his own identity and his look uh, numerous times between the flash forward where uh, we see him as Gene. Then he's uh, we previously knew him as Saul. Now we're knowing him as Jimmy McGill. As Jimmy McGill, he's trying on, you know, he's basically going uh, impersonating uh, another another lawyer. Uh, now we're seeing him with a totally different look of trying to go with the Matlock look. Do you think that that is a running theme with this show of Saul trying on all these different identities and looks?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I, And I really I think somebody on Tumblr needs to make paper dolls with all of his different outfits and different hair. Uh, and different things, and just take, somebody needs to make a Bob Odenkirk sort of weird, creepy, like asexual, uh, Ken doll type Bob Odenkirk with like a bald head, and then make all of the hair, and make all of the outfits, and then you can paper doll, mix and match, I, I, I like that, but I mean, thematically, I like that it really is representative of Jimmy McGill, I mean, we know he goes with better, call Saul, but here it's need a will, call McGill, and he's trying it out, and he's a hustler, so he's really trying to do whatever he can, uh, to get by. And if that means putting on a different suit or or whatever, I mean, you could have these Jimmy McGill action figures if you don't want to do paper dolls. Like, There are lots of different versions of Jimmy McGill, and he's trying them all out. And we know he's going to find one that works. It's a character, ultimately. It's a fake name, and it's an outfit. It's a whole thing that he puts on. And I think knowing that he becomes that character, seeing these other ones he tries out first is funny. It's good. It also fits with Bob Odenkirk, a comedian who's used to playing multiple
0: characters like that. And I'm into the paper dolls as long as we can get a white and gold dress and a blue and black dress also.
1: Oh my gosh, don't talk about this. My head's going to explode. (laughs) That thing is white and
0: gold. Uh, Just one last thing about Saul uh, changing his identity. I mean, do you think that the way that Jimmy shifts from one identity to another, do you think that that is something that allowed him to be able... To go with Robert Forrester at the end of Breaking Bad in a way that you know Walter White could have never you know gone and changed his identity and lived as somebody else. Um, do you think that there's you know something inherent about Jimmy McGill that would that you know allows him to sort of potentially succeed as somebody else in another life?
1: Well, that's interesting because early in this season we heard him saying and in, in protesting vociferously that he didn't want to give up his name, that his name was really important to him, that it's Jimmy McGill, that's my name, it's really important to me. I don't want to have to give that up. And we know, of course, the irony of that is that he he gives it up and has great success as Saul Goodman. He embraces that a kind of silly alias that he has developed during his con man days. Uh, but the, the idea that he's able to kind of slip into all these different identities, uh, slip in Jimmy, I should say, uh, is is something I think that, uh, that we've seen sort of playing out in the show so far. We know it happens during Breaking Bad, and I think you're right. I think the fact that he's able to kind of do that is why he's probably able to, to accept that Gene needs to happen. That said, if you'll remember back to the first 10 minutes of this season, one of the first things we see Jimmy, uh, who has then become Saul Goodman and is now Gene doing, is reliving Saul Goodman. He's watching his old commercials. Uh because that seems to be like the Nadir, like the like the the other, you know, or, or what he's at in Nadir. That's like the apex or whatever of his of his life. So, I don't know. I think that it might have been pretty easy for him in the past to slip these things in and out. But as we see with Gene in the future, I think it's going to be hard to leave Saul Goodman behind.
0: Antonio, one day when it's all over for me and I'm just a uh, a shell of my former self, I'm going to be sitting here watching this very podcast.
1: Oh my gosh! And what, what kind of this, drink are you going to be drinking? This is it. Yeah, this is uh, good.
0: Chloroform, I think. Oh, no, ether. You're kind of putting
1: yourself out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Rob, I hope I never. Yeah, this, this is going to be about what six months after they cancel Survivor.
0: No, six months from now. Oh, <laughs> no, that's a rapid decline, my friend. Very, goes down. Goes downhill down. very fast.
1: No, no, no. We can't have that.
0: This is it. This is the high point, Antonio. Hashtag
1: save sester Nino. <laughs>
0: Um, one more thing before we get to the questions, I want to just touch on, uh, the Jimmy and Kim, uh, show me, ma- uh, can you give us an update, Antonio? State yeah, of the uh, That's a, uh,
1: he had invited her over on a previous episode for a mani pedi kind of deal. And, uh, so he said, act now, you better get here fast. And then we see in this episode that that that's going on. He's painting the toenails that's Jimmy McGill. He's a man of many, uh man of many skills. He's 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 painting the toenails up and she's sitting in the massage chair. They're having a good time, probably knocking a few cucumber waters back. Customers only. I don't care. And uh, yeah, she, uh, she's kind of hiding that obviously from Hamlin. She's, I'll, I'll try to find Jimmy, she says, but yeah, these two have something going on, whether or not it's something that's already happened or it's about to happen or it happens from time to time. I, I think that, you know, it happened already personally, uh, and 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 they could blossom into something uh, a lot closer together. She's looking out for him. They kind of swap war stories. She's the one who's like, ah, oh, you should go into elder law. And uh, and I should add the the elder law scene where he walks into the old folks home. The theme from the third man, which is what's playing in that uh, in that scene with this the weird zither. I don't know if you've ever seen a zither. Have you ever no. seen a zither? It's kind of a weird like the way that, the way a piano works. Right, is that these these wires are in there. And they're really tight. When you strike a certain key, it rings and vibrates the wire, so you hear the noise. Uh, and the zither is a similar kind of concept, but it's it's sort of tied down, and you can hold it and play it. Uh, and it's a it's a little bit like a, a little bit like a guitar, but it's not it's not kind of acoustic like that. It's set up differently, but uh, it's a very unique you know sound. You heard it during the episode tonight. You probably recognized. Oh, I, I've heard that instrument before. There's a very famous, great, excellent movie uh, called The Third Man this song actually if i'm not mistaken went to the top of the pop charts in like 19 maybe 1948 or so uh and you guys can look it up i don't know if it's true or not but this crazy like like sappy you know zither orchestra song went to the top of the pop charts if you can imagine that
0: wow and, uh, you're you're fire. like a regular uh <laughs> casey Kasem.
1: this is right coming up now i can't you should do it not <laughs> me but uh but yeah, I, when when I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, it's a third man theme. And I was like, oh, my God, I am so old inside <laughs> and I love this so much. I was like, they're using this to make this place seem full of old people. And it's something that I really love. I had a lot of moments of uh, self-analysis during the episode tonight, Rob.
0: All right. Well, we'll continue the self-analysis with your questions here on Better Call Saul Live. Of course, you can get them in hashtag PSRecaps or on our YouTube channel at PostShowRecaps.com. Slash YouTube. Okay, here we go. Let's start here with our first question of the night. Uh, Antonio, you want to get us started? Yeah, let's
1: do this. Uh, this one is from Darth Geroni, aka Jason Burning. Jason's a good guy. Jason says, "So what? He's Jimmy the Silver Fox Whisperer now." This is uh, this is uh, this is Jason's observation. He's Jimmy the Silver Fox
0: Whisperer. Yeah,
1: this is this is Jimmy, right? He does everything.
0: Yeah, he's now he's working with the with the old folks.
1: Yeah, this is uh and we got to, our next question is right in line with
0: that. Okay. Uh this one is from Riot Maker who says, uh, does elderly law involve lots of nursing homes and jello? Depends, I guess. Uh Antonio, can you get a guy to do custom jello cups for you? And if so, uh is this a good viral marketing technique to uh get out the word about Rob is a podcast nominated for podcast awards?
1: I, it couldn't hurt. It couldn't hurt. Depends, I guess. You stepped on the punchline on that one, Rob.
0: Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I guess it depends uh, if you want to get those Jello cups. I don't know. I feel like Jello cups are kind of uh, 2002. What would be a good way to get the word out about p- custom earbuds?
0: Snack packs.
1: Snack packs. You like? Is that the <laughs> timeless? Uh, the, they're timeless. They're timeless. The timeless snack of a
0: podcast audience. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that would be pretty good. Love yeah, good I like it. S- hey, I feel like Jello is. No, never the kind of thing that you crave but if you have it you say like, that's not bad yeah there's always room for jello rob yeah i just find it's not very filling
1: no i mean you can only eat so many horse hooves before you uh, kind of start throwing up <laughs> i think that's what gelatin's made out of right yeah, I, I don't know right. that's what somebody don't told think me about
0: before. it all right well, what does brooks have to say zach brooks says tweeted
1: at us and said favorite flavor of jello well mm-hmm. we're just gonna this is a post jello podcast here yeah what, what's your favorite I don't know. Uh, I think I like uh, I like the green jello the best. Yeah, green
0: is good. What flavor is that? Is That lime?
1: Maybe apple or lime? I guess lime. Lime jello.
0: Yeah, lime. I feel like anything red is good. Also, you you grew up on Long Island, am I right? Yes. Um, Did you ever
1: have the jello mold?
0: Yeah, not like. Um, I feel like you see it more on TV. Uh, you know, it is good if you can get it with the fruit in it. That's pretty Ooh. good. You get like banana or like strawberry actually in the jello. That's that's very it's very good.
1: See, I feel like uh, I feel like I just I missed that out. We just never really did that in the Midwest. It wasn't. A, I mean, Jello was a thing, but the, the having people over with the fruit molds and all that just wasn't part of my my growing up.
0: That's good. Okay. Uh, what about Mike Bloom? What's he got? Mike says the scenes of Saul visiting clients seem
1: to have a more comic tone, reminiscent of the original concept of the show. Did you enjoy those more or less than the dramatic hospital scene that followed?
0: Well. I think that that's a a loaded question because I don't think anybody enjoyed the dramatic hospital scene. I feel like if if it's the choice between the comedy or the dramatic hospital scene, I think the comedy was like the the comedy was great for comedy, and the dramatic scene was sort of like so so to maybe even worse. Uh, tell me if I'm speaking out of school, Antonio.
1: No, I don't think you're speaking out of school. I mean, I think, that it's, I think that it's tough. I mean, this show, we talked about it. It's kind of trying on a lot of different things. I mean, in, in many ways, it's like the Jimmy McGill that we see ourselves, where we're seeing him try on these different personas and do different things that work. Sometimes we have a great kind of courtroom scene, even if it's in a desert, uh, with Jimmy doing his classic Saul, you know, Saul Goodman negotiation and oratory uh, and working with drug dealers and everything we see in Breaking Bad. Uh, And then occasionally we have him doing kind of a Matlock style uh, trot around a nursing home. It's just hard to say. uh, Sometimes this show isn't just trying on those same kind of paper dolls that we're talking about. So I think that it's going to find its way here uh, with the mic stuff. And I think that we'll have it'll strike the right tone and balance. Uh, Right now, I think it's kind of uh, experimenting and I'm enjoying all of it. But of course, I'm laughing a lot harder at the comedy than I am kind of holding my breath at the drama
0: yeah sure. i think it's just not fair to compare it to the chuck stuff because i feel like people are not loving the chuck
1: no gotta love the chuck but uh but they're it's, it's not happening right now you're not right.
0: happening not happening right now okay uh here's another question this is from uh jordan Zelensky. where is all the meth albuquerque It didn't happen yet no
1: but what's funny is uh did you notice the police thought that uh, chuck was a tweaker they yes. looked at his, uh, they did say that. his wires being ripped out and they saw him kind of acting crazy. And I think they thought to themselves, we got ourselves a head here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's ironic
1: considering what we know happens to Albuquerque in the near future here.
0: Let me ask you a quick question, uh, Antonio, not to get into any spoilers from other show. Uh, give me the power rankings. Uh, Chuck versus Bran and Jojen Reed.
1: Oh, in terms of, in terms of, uh, how, what are we ranking here? Um, what are we ranking?
0: Uh, just over, over. Value to storyline? Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm taking Bran. I'm taking,
1: taking Brand. Bran. Uh, I'm taking Brand and Jojin over. Chuck. No, not close right now. <laughs> I, 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 again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but not close for me. I, uh, I think anytime the the thing about Brand and Jojin is you got Hodor and there's just no Hodor with Chuck. If Chuck had a large sort of deaf mute or a guy who could only say one word orderly that was helping him around, doing his cooking and cleaning, who could only maybe say one word, like what would the one word Chuck's orderly say would be? What would that be?
0: Electromagnetism.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Ground yourself. (laughs) Like like if we had that, if we had a Hodor that was Chuck's assistant, then I would say that it was close. but. Odor really tips
0: the scales in more ways than one. Just to go back to Chuck for one more second. Um, did you feel like Chuck's relapse was set off by actually being outside or by feeling that Jimmy was turning back into slipping Jimmy?
1: I think this is probably the most valuable question about Chuck ultimately is that to what extent is he kind of developing or utilizing his condition to his benefit in some respects? Uh, Because the reason I say that, and I hadn't thought about that till tonight, there were some great shots once Jimmy took him back into his house. There was Jimmy's half of his face was lit and half of it was in shadow. And I really like the opportunities they have to shoot those scenes in Chuck's apartment or house. But what I will say is Chuck really perked up when he heard about Elder Law and he was like, oh, Jimmy's back on the street. Maybe this is good. We'll see. But he really sort of got a lot more pep in his step there. Uh, and, 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 I think that ultimately there's a, there's a valid question to be asked whether, uh, he's kind of using some of this to his advantage and kind of manipulating his brother, uh, and maybe kind of not actively practicing. And, and maybe some of this is, is his own doing it's, it's, it's hard to say, uh, I will say this, uh, some other evidence of that is tonight when we're in the hospital room, when the doctor turns on the bed, Chuck doesn't notice. But earlier in that scene, Chuck was like, oh, is there some sort of battery around? Because I still feel something. And then the, the, the doctor pulls something out of her pocket, like one of those lights, I think. And then he's like, oh, yeah. yeah." She's like, sorry, it was an oversight. I have a feeling that he saw that in her pocket and was like, oh, I feel something. You know, like a psychic mm. would, where they get a little bit of information about you when they start to use it. I, I really you. saw that in her pocket and, and said that, knowing that he could be like, oh, look, see, I really did feel something. Because later in that same scene, he didn't feel anything. So I think he is using some of this. And I, it may be that he's using it to justify some mental condition or he may be using it to some benefit. I don't know.
0: So how about this? If Jimmy got his act together and got on the straight and narrow and was doing everything in a way that Chuck approved of, would Chuck be healed? Yeah.
1: And, and that's, I think that's the million dollar question. And I, and I would say no, because I think that there's more to it than just Jimmy but I think that's the biggest way we're seeing it manifest where Chuck can use it to something that benefits Chuck. I mean, nobody wants to live in the dark, no television, no power, hot water's an issue. Cooking is an issue. All of it's a problem. Nobody actively wants that just to make their brother, not be a small time con man for crying out loud. Like nobody's doing that. I, I just don't think that's happening unless they're already crazy or unless it's a terrible sitcom premise, but is he doing this to cover up something else? that he's insecure about they said in the episode tonight that maybe he it's it, it represents something more deeply rooted uh, that there's something deeper going on there and so maybe there's something deeper going on there with chuck and and ultimately the way it plays out with jimmy is one way to cover it up so i don't think he would get better if jimmy if everything was going great with jimmy but i do think the fact that it's not is one way chuck can use that against jimmy ultimately
0: okay uh, a couple more questions here is one from this is from a uh, broken drum set. Who says? Oh, what did you think of the space blanket coming off when Saul promises not to go back to being a slipping Jimmy?
1: Yeah, and we're right in there, right? I mean, that's a good observation by Broken Drum Set. I think it plays right into what we were talking about, which is that there is a possibility that some of this—I mean, a lot—it seems like it's almost all mental. That's not to say it's not manifesting physically, uh, but to the extent that he's happy and, and go lucky a little bit more mentally. Uh, It seems like he's able to shed kind of his condition and and feel a lot better about himself. So who knows? I I still don't think turning it around completely if you're Jimmy fixes that. But uh, but we'll see. Uh, How about this next one from Jeremiah Panhorse? Do you want to? I'll I'll take this one if you want. Yeah. Because I know my answer to this. Jeremiah asks the great Jeremiah Panhorse asks, would you guys hire slipping Jimmy to handle your will? Hmm. Boy, I, I hope I hope Rob that you that you have a will uh, and you've got that all set up.
0: Uh, no, not yet, Antonio. Not not yet. good, Rob. Not good. <laughs> not good. Um, not good. Yeah, I think I probably would. I think so. Yeah, I mean,
1: he it, look. He works. The, cheap. I will say
0: this, and I'm like, yeah. go ahead. What'd you say? I say he works cheap, and if he you know screwed something up, I mean, you're gone by the time anybody notices. So. <laughs> <laughs> very
1: typical attitude i yeah think. And i've I've, I've, ri- I've written a few wills in my day i will tell you that uh that and i'm not, i don't want to get i do not want to get into the intricacies of this but i think anybody with a law background during tonight's episode was cringing bringing back memories of law school and talking about the rule against perpetuities these complicated wills they do nothing but cause problems for everyone at every point so this lady's like, if this happens, then this. But the only if she's still married to so-and-so, and if so-and-so is alive. And it's like, Jimmy, for $140, bucks, i am not writing that will. Like, I wouldn't write it for 500 And I I mean, I guess if I needed money, I would. But man alive, like that's, it's not easy to yeah. write that kind of complicated stuff.
0: Did Jimmy burn through that whole 30000 from uh, last week's show?
1: <laughs> that's it. Billboards don't come cheap in Albuquerque, Rob, even in 2002.
0: I mean, 2002, $30,000, I mean is got to be what like let's say conservatively for like $40,000 uh in modern times. I mean, did Jimmy really burn through, you know, $40,000 on uh, in in today's money in the billboard stunt?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh so it is kind of it odd that pricey. He, it's a very pricey billboard and he's still driving around that beater car that he had. I don't know. Where would that money go? Maybe he felt bad about spending it. Maybe he only felt that he should spend enough of it to uh, kind of get some of this business going. Maybe he truly did see it as advertising. I doubt it, but maybe.
0: Okay. Uh, this is from Spicy Wasabi who says, uh, so episode six is supposed to be big. What do you guys think will happen? I think, I think Mike and Jimmy are going to start working together.
1: Yeah, we. Are, I had a question uh, from Emily, Emily Kaz87 on Twitter asking the same thing. Um, do you see this uh, as, I mean, do you think that this is, how do, how do you ultimately see Rob jimmy and and mike's business relationship beginning i mean is jimmy gonna is jimmy gonna represent him here in this issue with the cops
0: yeah i mean i think it's pretty straightforward i mean it looks like uh that jimmy's gonna need a lawyer and then he only knows one lawyer it's gonna be Saul, and then we end up uh, with these two people uh sort of working together and then you know mike becomes more involved in jimmy's business and the nacho story and the kettleman's and all that stuff and i think that's gonna really start to drive the series a little faster
1: yeah, I mean, what's going to happen ultimately is that is that Jimmy, the more successful he gets, especially as he works in criminal defense, he's going to need a private investigator. He's going to need somebody who can go out and put eyes and ears on some of these witnesses, uh, look at evidence, uh, look at specific scenes, give it a kind of thoughtful evaluation. Um, that's a very common thing for a lawyer to utilize as a private investigator. They don't just sit on people waiting to see if they're cheating. Uh, so, He's going to need a PI. We know Mike serves as kind of a a loose uh, private investigator. So I can see the need developing in Jimmy's business and him going to Mike. But it definitely seems clear that for some reason, even though they've kind of been at each other's throats a little bit here and Jimmy's kind of insulted him, including in this episode, kind of implying that he was old yet again. uh, I think that he's going to turn to Jimmy. He's got that card. Maybe that's the only thing that he's he's going to be able to to call Uh, yet again. The right place, right time with Jimmy McGill.
0: Okay, let's take a few more. This is from, oh, the great Colin Stone. Yeah, this this is a good one. Any theories as to why the Better Call Saul intro music abruptly cuts out earlier than it should? Antonio, did you notice this?
1: I have noticed this. And they actually talked about it on the Breaking Bad, or I'm sorry, on the Better Call Saul Insider podcast that they put out uh, once a week after each episode that's sort of behind the scenes of that week's episode. Uh, and they talked about the, kind of how they found the music. The music supervisor, I think, found this sort of British band and just kind of took this little sting, this little moment from the, uh, one of their songs. And they decided that, the, and they haven't really made it clear on that podcast exactly why they're doing this, but they definitely wanted to sort of cut it off right before it ends. And I think some of that comes from the aesthetic that they're trying to create. Uh, they want this sort of VHS era aesthetic with that the weird title cards that they're showing and they use the sort of uh, 8-bit or 1980s, 90s, early 90s style of uh, uh, font with uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gold's name at the beginning. So I think the cutting off is part of that. I think it's just kind of like, oh, this is a tape. It, it, it kind of, you know, there was a blip on the tape or it, it ran out or something like that. So I think that's part of it. I, I don't know that it means something bigger in the context of the show. Have you noticed it at all?
0: I hadn't noticed it, but it's interesting to uh, look for it next time. I know also that the intro video changes every week. What was it this week?
1: It was his bench. Uh, it was his bench with his uh Saul Goodman ad, which from what I understand, they're showing us a lot of these. The title cards are sort of scenes from Saul Goodman. In So I think one episode we had a Cadillac, one we had scales with uh with cigarette butts and kind of uh, lips. I know we've had uh, this one here with the, I think we had one with the Statue of Liberty. We had this one here with the bench. So it's just little, I think, snippets of what could have been like bumpers or, or, you know, B-roll from his commercials, really more than anything. And, uh, and I think that that fits with the whole VHS aesthetic that they're creating. And that could be why the music cuts off. I don't know. It, it, it is noticeable if you're kind of following the way the melody of the song should go. It's like just cuts off right before it finishes the end of the notes and it's like what's what's going on there it's really pretty jarring and I don't know exactly what the stylistic choice was related to but it's definitely a stylistic choice.
0: Okay, how about this one Antonio? Yeah, this is
1: from Mike Bloom, Mike Bloom again and Mike says, "We're about halfway through the season. We are halfway through the season, Mike at this point. What is one bold prediction that you can make?"
0: One bold prediction that you can make about Better call Saul. Hmm. I will say that um I'm trying to go bold. I wanna be I wanna be bold. And I will say that Yeah, you got anything, Antonio?
1: Well, I guess I guess I'm thinking bold in terms of story or bold in terms of production. I, I do think we're gonna see, even if it's only for a moment, I think we're gonna see either a Walter or Jesse by the end of the season.
0: Oh, well, wow. I think that's a little too bold. That's pretty bold.
1: That's a bold prediction. I think that it could be just in the background of a scene uh, or it's just something that pops up, but I think that we could we could see that. Uh, I think it's something that'll that'll kind of drive the discussions at the late game here uh, and, and maybe get people to kind of go back and watch when they do a marathon or something. Uh, I do think that, that that's my bold prediction. Do I think it'll happen? No, that's a bold prediction, though. That's a 25% chance of happening, so I'll be bold and say that it's going to happen.
0: Okay. Um, I will say that as a bold prediction, uh, give me that I'm trying to think of something like I want to say like that Chris,
1: Chris uh, Berger's got a good one for you in the chat room.
0: What does he say? That uh, Chuck Chuck shows up at Cinnabon? Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's a bold prediction. Yeah, I mean you guys say like Gus Fring shows up. I feel like that's not that bold. Uh, I'll say uh, Saul Goodman will kill a man.
1: Wow, that's a pretty good one. Will it be Chuck?
0: Hmm why uh that would, i i don't think so
1: i don't think so that would be too dark that would be too dark, too dark. Like maybe we get a uh maybe we get a jane moment
0: whoa that chuck's gonna start doing heroin <laughs> maybe not that far down but uh
1: <laughs> maybe something where uh where jimmy has a chance to do something for chuck doesn't do it and it doesn't uh, doesn't work out for jimmy maybe that could happen
0: oh man all right
1: we i think we i think it's not so bold to say chuck's not going to survive this season it's way bolder to say Chuck's going to show up at the Cinnabon.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, so I don't know. I don't know. Cinnabon is delicious. It'll be hard to keep him out of there. Yeah. Especially if he's at an airport.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, just looking to look into curious hunger pains at anytime he's at a mall. or uh, have there, Are there any freestanding Cinnabons? Have you ever seen one?
0: Not that I could think of. Not that I could think of. But that's how they get you with foot traffic.
1: Yeah, it's like oh yeah, I walk this off. I'm a little hungry. I'll stop right here. Get an Auntie Anne's, maybe a
0: Cinnabon. Yeah. All right, uh, Antonio. Do you have a hashtag for tonight's show?
1: What? What? Do you have any ideas? Do you have any thoughts? I was going to ask you. I don't want to. I don't want to. The problem is I don't want to go to uh, too toilet humor with this.
0: Too one. too much toilet. Uh, what about? <laughs> um. How about? Uh. I want to make sure I have I have this right. Uh. What about Alpine Shepherd Man?
1: Ah. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Alpine Shepherd man.
0: Alpine Shepherd man. it's not a. We're not uh, a. This isn't a show for boys. This is a show no, for this is, this for is, men.
1: This, this is a show for adult men and women. Yes, yeah. But, uh, but Alpine Shepherd men.
0: Yeah. Or give it to me, Chandler. <laughs> have you happened to look at that one? No, I have not. Is that active? Uh, I, I mean, no, I don't know. But earlier
1: tonight, all I saw on Reddit was a picture of. Uh, was a picture of Jennifer Aniston, so I don't know, we can use give it to me Chandler. let's do that one
0: okay uh let's do that one I think that's that's getting a lot of action tonight, and not just in the uh toilet tiger way
1: yeah we' we're, we're gonna wear this one out,
0: okay, all right, uh Antonio, so next week is the big uh we'll see Mike and Jimmy working together
1: yeah and uh and I don't know, I'm excited for it uh because I I feel like this is the opportunity for this show. We said it's been trying on a different, a lot of different outfits, but this is the opportunity for it to, to put an old favorite on that we know really well and that we know fits very comfortably uh, with that, with what we like. So I think this is an opportunity for this show to show exactly what it could be. I don't think the show wants to be too much of this, but, uh, but to really kind of participate in this world uh, and, and live it with Mike Ehrman I think is something that we've been looking forward to doing. So Happy to see that it's happening next week. We'll be interested to see how it drives the action for the rest of the season, for sure.
0: All right, can't wait to do it. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments. Uh, Plus, uh, I want to make sure that you guys know to subscribe to the Better Call Saul podcast. You can go to postshowrecaps.com slash BCS iTunes. Uh, Antonio, what's coming up on Justified this week?
1: I, the justified this getting really out of control. At the end of last week's episode, something that uh, we've been wondering if would happen throughout all season is happening. Uh, one of the characters finding out some key information. So this week, we're going to see the aftermath of that, I think, and see how that all plays out. I'm really looking forward to it. We talk about that here on Post Show Recaps, Josh Wiggler and I.
0: All right. Uh, so lots to do. House of Cards recaps are underway as well. If you want to check that out on postshowrecaps.com. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show this week. I'll be back uh, next time to talk to you about more Better Call Saul next Monday night. Take care, everybody. Bye.